0: Welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Hey, welcome back. So, this is the last of a series on church communication. This particular one is really addressing three-way communication. Now, three-way communication in the church, in this setting, would be interactive. With three-way communication, that's three different kinds of communication from three different sources. So you have more than one or even two people involved. Now, this would be Bible study. And, to be very honest, uh, a lot of times, Bible study isn't done that way. It's not done in an interactive fashion. There's two different occurrences that we're going to look at. The first one I think is interesting to note And that's when Jesus was 12 And he was at the temple And he was Of course he, uh, he skipped out on mom and dad it Scared the ever-loving daylights out of him But he couldn't find him And back then uh, It was a long trip Okay, so they were in Galilee which is northern Israel and uh, Jerusalem is in Judah which is in the southern part of Israel and in between you got Samaria and Samaria is not a place that normally Jews went because they had complications with the people with the Samaritans they didn't like the uh, well Let's just say that there were some race relations that wasn't working out. But, in order to deal with that, most people went around Samaria, which took a while. Anyway, so they're going back to Galilee from the south to the north, and about halfway somewhere in there, they say, oh, where's Jesus? And, uh... Then they check around with the family And find out that Ooh, he's not on the caravan So they go back Where do they find him? They find him in the temple Why do they find Jesus in the temple? Why? Well, first of all Son of God It's his father's house He even says so He said You know, his answer to them When they said Because really They were hurt Okay It scared them to death And they were like why have you done this to us? That's a very jewish thing too it's It's kind of a personal affront to the parents. Why have you done this to us and uh and that's not- derogatory okay i mean that that's a cultural thing and i think it's i think it's pretty cool actually now the thing is. Jesus says, "Uh, "Didn't you know that I'd be about my Father's business?" Now, when they found him, he was talking with the teachers there, the rabbis. Because, again, the temple complex and most of the pictures you see, all right, of the temple complex, uh, you, you only see like two or three people talking to Jesus. That place was a metropolis. Okay? it was like a city in a city it was like Rome it was like the Vatican Okay, it had a ton of people running around that place and there were schools upon schools upon schools upon rabbis upon rabbis upon rabbis that taught in the uh, what they call the palisades, there's an uh, area of columns and uh, there would be a lot of different rabbis teaching there. And Jesus taught there frequently. But here's the thing. In that period of time, you know, there was more than just these three guys, probably. I mean, they, you know, a lot of the pictures have like a couple or three or something like that. But anyway, the deal is is it's interesting that they're amazed. And Jesus is 12... And uh, they're amazed at, uh, they're asking questions and they're amazed at his answers. Why, why is that? That's because, and this is not my idea, this was uh, taught to me, that question for question was a very common educational method for Jews. In other words, you'd ask a question, and I would, you know, I would, you know you'd, the teacher would ask a question, the student would answer back with a question, and then how good the questions are kept the conversation going. And the longer a student could keep the conversation going with questions, the more intelligent they were. Now, so they were amazed at his answers because he would ask them a question and if you look at Jesus' uh, teaching along the way in the Gospels you'll see that that's really how he did things and it was very Jewish he didn't have to reinvent the wheel he was born in a fantastic culture now, here's the thing. <laughs> you have three-way communication going on there. Parents are going, Oh, uh, why did you do this? You scared the death out of us. And before that, he's having a conversation with the rabbis. Now, the thing is, the rabbis never actually interact with... Mary and Joseph, and as far as the text says, but uh, they were amazed at his answers. Saying so, they probably told his mom that, his dad, you know, and Joseph that said, "Wow, this is this kiddo's something else." So here's the thing: the second part, okay, of or the second example. I'd like to use is actually Matthew 20.20 20. this is usually in some Bibles called a mother's request but anyway so there's the two sons of Thunder James and John and uh, they're the sons of Zebedee well their mom, being a wonderful Jewish mom wants the very best for her boys being like any mom hopefully Uh, Wants the best for her boys So So basically uh, Her two sons come up and and kneel before Jesus And then she starts the conversation Which is pretty cool And um, Jesus says to her, what do you want? Wow Direct She said to him Say that these two sons of mine Are to sit one at your right and one at your left in the kingdom. Now the kingdom of heaven was a title Jesus gave to his movement. Okay. So when you hear the kingdom, you need to that needs to just automatically roll into your brain. Kingdom of heaven, because that's what she's talking about. That's what he's talking about then in verse 22 Jesus answered you don't know what you're asking are you and then it looks as if at this point and again this is what's kind of beautiful about text is you don't see the video so the video at this point i believe probably would have shown him the first half of this question, you don't know what you're asking, where he's looking at the mom. Then he turns his attention to the guys and says, are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? And he's talking about the, the cup of suffering. all right. And they said to him, this is the boys, we're able. Well, wow, what kind of chutzpah is that, right? And chutzpah is a Yiddish word, by the way. Um, and he said to them, You will drink of my cup. But to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant. But it is for those for whom it has been prepared by who? My Father. Now, here's just a thought process, okay? We continually, we being evangelical ministers, continually talk about Jesus but Jesus continually talks about the Father so uh, now you're saying okay where's the three way conversation going on here I don't understand (laughs) continue into verse 24 then when the ten heard this or heard it okay because it was twelve of them James, John, and then the ten they were indignant at the two brothers so they were grumbling Okay, there was a little communication there was communication going on here (laughs) or you wouldn't know that they were really really upset Jesus called them and said called to them or uh, called them, excuse me Jesus called them to him and said... And so he says, okay, guys, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. He said, you know the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Wow, don't they? And their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you should be the servant. And whoever be first among you be the slave even as the Son of Man came, what did he say? What did he say? To rule and reign and wipe the world clean. No. At this point, he says, came to be, to not to be served, excuse me, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So think about this. Think about this one factor. This communication goes around the circle, all right? So, so the mom's there, the boys, the guys, James, John, and then you got the ten. And then you got Jesus in control of the entire process of communication, which is the way it should be. Now, how do we do that? In a class, in a Sunday school class. How do we do that? We stay focused on the scripture. Now listen, it is really cool and very awesome when the Holy Spirit does fantastic things for people because I still believe in a miracle work in God, okay? I totally, 1,000% believe that. God didn't, didn't, okay, well, you know, the Bible's done, so everything's over. No. He still does fantastic things in people's lives. But everything has to line up with the word he has already given us. It has to. Because if it doesn't, then basically you got preachers just... Running crazy, making up the rules as they go, their own rules. Oh, yeah, God told me today that blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah, God told me today that blah, 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 Even though it might be totally against the, the Word of God, which is, you know, wrong. You say, well, that sounds kind of judgy. Well, here's the thing you have to have a standard. And God's already given us a standard. He's given us the Word of God. And the more you know about it, the more you know it, the better off everything is. And this is the last example, and then we'll close, but it's like this. Most of the time, when the Treasury Department, the Secret Service, training people, to identify a counterfeit, they don't spend millions of hours showing and having them memorize all of the bills that are messed up, all of the counterfeits. Instead, what they have them doing is analyzing and knowing front to back, top to top, side to side inside and out the real thing because if you really 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 know the real thing then anything else you can identify as a counterfeit, a fake, a fraud if you know the word you can do that now I'm gonna add something here but I'm not, this isn't like a huge thing But it works this way. It has to be in context. Alright? You have to take every book of the Bible in context. Who was it written to? When was it written? Who's it designed for? What can I get out of it? That kind of thing. Because if you don't, then basically, again, you get back into the point where you're just cherry-picking stuff. You know, one pastor, which I'll was kind of funny, he said, you know, if you think about this, you could take a passage out of the Gospels and Jesus went out and hanged himself and then you can take another passage, it says go and do likewise, well we'll do <laughs> that, you know, that's messed up it has to be in context, please that's called exegesis, that's a fancy word, that's one of those Theological terms, but it means Interpreting the Bible the way It's designed to be interpreted What's interesting is The Bible is actually a collection Of books, of letters Instead of Just one, it's a library Actually, instead of just one book But anyway With that in mind, I want to encourage You greatly To keep Thank you for listening to this edition of Speak it on if you would like to support this ministry, then please go to Patreon under L.A. Blackburn. May God bless every effort you make to do His will in His Word.